Southern Illinois University sponsors nationally competitive athletic programs. On the inbound look, it's it deep in the backcourt, Harrison has it, dribbles it out, sweet 16, baby, Southern's there, Southern's there. That exemplify integrity. Toughness and excellence. The sweet 16 is even sweeter when SIU's in there. All members of the department work to support Saluki athletes. In graduating and winning championships. And for the first time ever, Southern is a Missouri Valley Conference co-champion in women's basketball. Hey Saluki fans, this is your men's basketball center, Barrett Benson. This is Nicole Martin of SIU Women's Basketball, and you're listening to the Saluki Standards Podcast. And here's your host, Connor Onion. Hello again, everybody, and welcome back. This is Episode 9, Coronavirus, Episode 3 of the Saluki Standards Podcast. Softball head coach Kerry Blaylock is on deck, uh, but first, wanted to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by McAllister's Deli in Carbondale. They're still open for curbside pickup and delivery right now during the coronavirus shutdown. And have you ever, have you ever tried their four-cheese melt? Mm, mm-mm. Probably a little dramatic of me. But anyway, it's very, very tasty. Highly recommended. And uh, be sure to check out McAllister's Deli in Carbondale. Proud to bring you the Saluki Standards Podcast. Well, this spring was Kerry Blaylock's 21st as the head coach here at SIU. That includes seven NCAA tournaments, 700 wins, and of course, much, much more. And her team was really on a roll before, unfortunately, the season got shut down. They had won nine consecutive games and were just getting ready to start their Valley slate. So um, selfishly, I know I was really looking forward to calling their games and seeing what they had as an encore performance to their NCAA tournament trip last year. Uh, but I digress. Let's get to it. Head coach, Kerry Blaylock of Saluki Softball. What have you been doing to keep yourself busy during this strange time? I've had a ton of conference calls, both as um, for my job as SWA but also with my team and, and uh, certain players being softball coach. So um, pretty much every day, very busy with that. I've um, made myself get out for a walk every day to get outside. Uh, I am the worst person being cooped up inside. So I've done that and tried to stay on a routine. You know, I try to tell my kids, you know, the more you can get up, take a shower, start your day just like you would. Um, for me, that's what helps me uh, maintain some sort of normalcy. There, there are two parts, I think, to, to getting the news. First, how did you get the news that your season wasn't going to go past the middle of March? Well, you know, it, it was interesting. You know, we were on the bus coming back from Mo State on Wednesday, and we started, started seeing all this occur. And I actually had um, called my good friend at Harvard and said, I'm so sorry to see that you guys have canceled. And in my brain, Connor never, ever thought, I guess short-sightedly, that this was going to be us. So we went to practice on Thursday. By Thursday afternoon, um, had learned that the season was postponed in that short amount of time. Uh, Told my kids it waits, but then had another conference call and realized that we may be in trouble with the entire season. And uh, had a meeting with them on Friday, and by Friday night had uh, sent a group me to them. So it, 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 within a you know 48 hour span, it, it had it had finished. You have six seniors, and and mm-hmm. they had really started to play well too. So mm-hmm. obviously unfortunate that uh, the the season got cut short for them. How did they handle the news? Your six seniors. Well, I feel like the entire team was devastated. We we cried. Um, 
you know, they were obviously uh, shocked that it ended the way it did. Um, we went from going 0 and 5 to being 15 and 1 over the last 16, which I've never had teams do either of those. So, you know, we were really proud of where we were competitively, and they really liked each other. It was a group that really liked each other. So it was, you know, obviously it was devastating. A lot of the spring sports are probably weighing this right now. What do you mm -hmm. expect the future to hold with those six players as far as the 2021 season? I think there's a possibility of one or two that will be back and four that won't be back is, is what I think. Um, no decisions have been made final, finalized, obviously, because we don't know what the NCAA will do and we don't know what we will do monetarily and things of that nature. But that's my gut instinct is that potentially one or two um, with four not. Sure. What, uh, what about the, uh, the freshmen that, that you have yeah. lined up to come in in 2021? What could this mm -hmm. mean for, for their future and how will it impact them? Uh, not a lot, really. They're they're signed, and and uh, we have uh, six freshmen and one uh, community college transfer. I've been on the phone with them. Uh, they're more worried right now, Connor, and disappointed that their high school seasons are lost or might be lost. Um, they're all in different states, so different rules and different things going on right now. But um, I think it's an uncertain time, and I, you know, that's what I've been relaying to everyone that I talk to is we have to remember the the, the people that I'm most um, you know, obviously worried about my, my mom and taking care of her, but are my players and the players that are coming in and these kids, because this is a, you know, it's a anxiety-filled time for them, and um, we have to make sure and support them and, and help them understand that things are going to be okay eventually, that we have to go through some, um, some things now to, to get to the other side of this. And so, you know, that's what I've kind of talked to my kids about. The the situation that this has been compared to a lot is when when sports were shut down for 9-11. Obviously, there are a lot of uh -huh. differences. You yep. would have been entering your third year that fall. Mm -hmm. uh, you yep. weren't in season, but I, I'd imagine your players needed you at, at that yep. point because there was some fear and, and some panic mm -hmm. maybe. What similarities yep. have you found in this situation and, and how you've handled it compared to that one? It's very similar we were all scared to death you know we we didn't know what was what was happening uh you know if we were going to be invaded if we were going to war we there were a lot of things going on um but we tried to same way stay calm talk to the kids we got back to athletics obviously a lot quicker we actually played that fall and played some games and and um but you know talking to the kids now is just trying to tell them that you know if we make some sacrifices here in the short term to help people, you know, stay safe and stay healthy, that then hopefully in the long term, uh, this will help us understand how to band together. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's uh, it is a very tough situation. We didn't lose a season. This is was uncharted territory for me. So, um, you know, watching the looks on their faces and and how they feel was very uh, was very sad for them but you know we are having conversations i talked to two of my seniors today um we're having a lot of communication probably more than we would even if we were here so maybe some good can come out of it also yeah i'd, I'd sure hope so um uh, that's that's kind of a a transition into the the next section of this getting into the the saluki mm -hmm. standards i wanted to, to start with leadership you know, with with this specifically, you know, you're you're a leader of people. You're a leader of, of pitchers, more specifically mm -hmm. with within your team. But but how has this 
tested the type of leader and um, the, the strength of your leadership in a different way than, than coaching softball? Uh, that is a fantastic question, and I've actually had many conversations with, whether it be Liz or, or Jen or anybody about this. I, I feel like that as a leader, that good leaders need to take care of their people. So for me, it was my assistant coaches and then my players and then my players' families. And then also as an SWA, it was for me to reach out maybe to some other student-athletes on campus here from other countries. I think that, you know, good leaders think of others before themselves. I hope I'm doing that. I hope I'm um, maintaining hope and a sense of positiveness through all of this, um, not burying my head in the sand. Um, I understand, you know, that there's going to be challenges over the next few months, but also your people that you lead are looking to you and how you react that they can gain some hope for this or some, um, you know, positivity where we're going or some direction. So I hope that's what I'm, I hope that's what I'm doing. This is uh, more of a more of an introspective question, but uh, how have you how have you been able to lead yourself? How have you kept yourself upbeat through all this while you're also looking out for so many other people? Because worrying about the other people, I think, helps me stay upbeat. Um, you know, I am a self-professed organizational freak, a little bit probably of a control freak. I would say I have to, you know, that's just kind of my personality. I'm very busy. I don't stay at home a lot. I am constantly on the go. So this has been kind of a self-assessment for me of how I can make really productive time, um, getting some things done that need to to happen. But it's also been um, a good time for me to, again, focus on others. I'm moving my, um, my, my mom, 76, I'm moving her into my house today just because I trust, don't trust her not to go to Walmart or places that, you know, she has a kidney disease and a little bit of heart has had some heart issues. So I'm going to move her in. So we'll see if we can, <laughs> if we can survive without killing each other, you know, <laughs> but, uh, doing things of that nature. Yeah. Well, she's, she's probably not used to having you around without softball to keep you busy, right? Correct. Correct. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, that part will be very, very interesting. Yeah. You mentioned your mom. What influence has your mom had on your leadership style? Um, she, um, Connor, she is the strongest um, individual. You know, um, most probably people who know me know the story, but I lost my dad at, he was uh, 50, 53 to a very rare disease, and my brother at 51 to the same disease. And so she, you know, she... And her and I are basically all each other's haves for all intents and purposes. I mean, we have some family in the area, but um, no grandparents, no brothers, no sisters, nothing like that. And so she's a very strong person who had to survive some things, um, still be able to provide for me. Make make So, you know, I think hopefully she's taught me toughness, grit, whatever. But I think the thing that that growing up has given me is a perspective about life. Hmm. And I would always tell my kids the first meeting of every year that, that not to take things for granted, that we have opportunities that we want to take advantage of because of how I grew up. That was kind of my story. And so um, it was interesting <laughs> the other day 
we talked about it and we talked about taking advantage of things and how I always would say this. And so I think those are the things that she gave me. And so I'm very fortunate and blessed to have someone that, you know, was a really good role model and really um, helped me kind of maintain perspective throughout things. How much of that perspective that you gained was from actual conversations and how much of it was just from observing your mother? Probably observing. She doesn't talk much. She's not mm. a she's not an overly talkative individual. Um, you know, my dad and I were super, super close. Um, typical daddy's girl mm. with him all the time. He taught me how to play. My brother taught me how to play baseball. So I spent more times with the males than I did my mom. But my mom was there, the biggest cheerleader, the one on the bench. She comes to all my games still. But she is way more of a leader to me by example, for sure. Mm -hmm. At what point in your life were you identified as a leader? Or when did you start to feel like you were somebody that could lead people? Probably high school softball, just because, you know, being a pitcher and, and my coach gave me some responsibility. And then I think I was named captain my sophomore year in college, so sophomore, junior, uh, senior and I, I hope that I, what I had was a, a way that I could talk to people and tell them what I thought needed to be done, but in a good manner. I, had, I have very good friends. I have, oh gosh, I would have 10 people in my life that I would call my quote unquote best friends that I have all over the country that, you know, and some of them were from softball and being able to just communicate with people, I hope is a decent quality of, of mine. And, um, I hope that I'm a good self-evaluator. I really spend a lot of time um, hopefully knowing my faults, which I think I do, and, and trying to improve on those on a daily basis and, mm -hmm. and sometimes still don't still come up short, and I, and I know that. Mm -hmm. No, that's, uh, that's, that's usually a trait of good leadership is, is doing that and then being able to surround yourself with people that, that complement those faults. That, that mm -hmm. leads me to, to your assistance. How do uh -huh. Jen and Kenzie complement some of the things that that um, you may lack from a leadership standpoint? Yeah, I think that uh, Jen is a, a calming force. I'm a little bit probably more reactionary at times. Uh, Jen is a thinker and a quiet uh, leader and keeps me balanced and knows me so well that is not afraid to stand up and say, hey, Carrie, you need to think about this. I don't think you're right mm -hmm. about this, and can we do something Kenzie is special because Kenzie allows Jen and I to banter back and forth sometimes and come up with an answer to where we challenge each other. And it may not be, you know, a voice may be raised every once in a while or whatever. And, and Kenzie uh, gets right in there with it, doesn't get her feelings hurt. Um, you know, she gets a good, great perspective. I'm blessed. I feel like I've got a phenomenal staff that really we all know each other and, and know how to um, help each other and help the, help the players more importantly. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you, I know you're not afraid to, to be tough on your players, but they've also described you as, as kind of a motherly figure and, and also mm -hmm. very supportive away from softball too. How do you pick your spots? When to be a pusher and when to be a supporter? Well, I really try to be a supporter 90% of the time. I'm a pusher on lack of effort. That is really my main thing. If I feel like we have a lack of effort or a lack of focus, that's when I'm going to get aggravated um, or a lack of um, preparedness. Other than that, I'm going to be a supporter 90% of the time. You know, And uh, with this crew, 
the last, oh gosh, you know, the first five days of the season, you know, I had to, I wasn't aggravated. It was more encouraging, like, hey, you're not going to go 0 and 56 here. We can turn this around. And then the last, you know, 16 games, it was keep it rolling, guys. You're doing a great job. And, and, and so, you know, I've had conversations with them about, you know, how are you? And just the text that I get back from them, Nicole Johnson, out of the blue, first one, uh, probably a week ago, you know, a week ago today, text me and how are you, coach? You know, so I'm just blessed to have just such a great group of kids that we, we, we all kind of, uh, you know, care about each other. That's pretty unique, isn't it? Not every not every Division One athlete is texting their coach out of the blue, just "Hey, how are you?" No, it's and 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 it, you know Nicole wasn't unique. It was if I would text somebody, their next thing was "Coach, how are you?" And to me, that's one of the prouder moments I've had through all this is just um, hearing all of that. I emailed all the parents yesterday, just to, you know, I want you to know how great your daughters are and. Can you please, you know, take care of them, but give them a gentle nudge to make sure their academics are taken care of or whatever. And I've been hearing back from the parents about, you know, how important it was for the kids and I to talk and, and uh, you know, what they were thinking. So it's a, it's a great situation that we have here, and it's, you know, it's, it's very, very nice. Sure, sure. Uh, let's let's move on to, to the second tier, uh-huh. the Saluki standards. That that's okay. toughness. We we touched on that a little mm-hmm. bit with with your family yep. background. But mm-hmm. uh, you, one, you've got to win a lot to to stay around for 21 years as a head coach. But you've also mm-hmm. have to have an element of toughness, I would assume. Uh, yep. How how do you get over losses? How do you get over a tough loss? Well, it's a great question, and. Um, Early in the year, Jen had to have the conversation with our kids about the difference in generations and just the difference in people. And so Jen was telling them, like, you guys need to give Carrie a period of time. And so she's a competitor and she hates to lose. So, you know, maybe don't get on the bus and start laughing immediately. Maybe don't get at dinner. Maybe just kind of have quiet conversation and let everybody, because we all don't deal with losses the same. And so we all talked about that, and they, they understood that what they needed to do was move on. What I needed to do was kind of uh, think about what I needed to do to move on from a loss, and then it was just different. So um, I am not – I like I, – I hate to lose way more than I enjoy winning, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes kids enjoy winning way more than they hate losing. So it's just one of those things where different people are just made differently. Right. And so um, I probably need to work on moving on a little faster, you know. But um, it's just, a, I don't know, it's just being a competitor. Now, I don't yell and scream or, or I don't have to do all that. And I think over the years, that's one thing I've evolved. I've just evolved a lot where that where that is concerned i i'm not much of a i don't have to yell and scream a lot if it takes me a lot to get there now Mm -hmm. you used to be a yeller a little bit a little bit more probably yeah (laughs) Yeah. but it's when when you're trying to mold a a team and get a culture the way you want it and you have some years where you know you, you you have you've got to try to mold those kids to where you're getting to all be unselfish and you're getting to all be hardworking and you're trying to get them all in the same direction. 
How long does it take you to get over a loss usually? Mm, depends the de- depends the scope of the loss, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> if you're talking about a loss in a conference championship compared to, you know, a preseason game, it may be all it may be different. <laughs> sure. I guess if it's game one of a doubleheader, you you better you better get moving better pretty get quickly. You better get over it fast. Yes, <laughs> yes, and that's the message to the kids, absolutely. Yeah. What's what's been the toughest moment of your coaching career? Wow. That's a great question. Um, I'm going to tell you, buddy, this may be one of the toughest right here. I mean, this, this was probably last Thursday was probably the tough, one of the tougher days that I've, that I've had as a coach Mm. for sure. Um, but as far as like general losses or things like that, you know, you get, you get over those and you get over those and move on, you know, um, Honestly, I think the end of the season every year is probably the, one of the tougher days. I, I say that I kind of grieve like a loss because your family's broken up, you know, every year. Right. Those are really those are really hard days for me. It, it probably never gets easier because you you, you yeah. have a different you have a different family every year. Mm-hmm. But how long does that take to get over compared to like you're talking about just a, a loss in game twenty of the season? Oh, it's not even comparable. When we're when the season's over, it takes me probably the majority of the summer. I usually don't go in the locker room for a month, month and a half, maybe longer. Wow. Um, because it's too hard for me to to you know you just it's just the end of something, and then you have to get then you get focused on the beginning of the next thing, you know. And um, right now, I'm talking to obviously I'm talking to my team now I'm also talking to my uh, 2020s and I'm talking to my 2021s so I'm talking to three different groups of kids right now and about what they're feeling and, and things that they're going through you know I want to circle back to um, uh-huh. your your family story and your coaching mm-hmm. career and kind of merge those things mm-hmm. uh, how do you think the experience that that you've gone through with with loss and, and grieving and um, you know being there for your mom has merged with your your coaching career and has made you tougher in that aspect? Oh, there's no doubt. It's a, you know, we, it's another thing that Jen and a good buddy of mine, Stephanie, uh, you know, everybody has a story. And those stories kind of mold you to the people you are. So when I'm recruiting my kids and when I get my kids on campus, I try to know their story and I try to get to know them beyond just softball. So I want to know about their family and, you know, any things that, you know, have affected them. And and I know some coaches don't do that, and it's a business. And, and I don't uh, disrespect those coaches or think something else, but this is just my approach. So my approach is to get to know them because my story and what happened to me growing up has molded me and made me who I am. So it's important for me then to do that to – Um, my players but you know it's it's been a huge part of my life because you know when I was a sophomore in high school junior in high school you know I was getting phone calls and rushed up to St. Louis to see my dad in the hospital and then it started with my brother a year after my dad and brother were in the hospital seven days apart having a brain tumor operated on when I was 15 years old. Oh, my gosh. So that's what kind – do you see what I'm saying? So that kind of molded me into um, making sure opportunities – I don't let opportunities pass. I always want to make the most of everything 
that I have. So things of that nature. But I also want to know what my kids have gone through. I want to know what my players have gone through to make them who they are. Wow. I mean, you, you have the initial grief. And, and then at what point do you think you're able to turn that into to something positive on the back end and, and impact people like you have because of your story? You know, the the great part about my dad was is that, you know, until, gosh, I was still playing softball when he passed. So I was still uh, 24 years old, and I was still playing summer ball and all that kind of stuff. And he would come watch my games right up until, like, so it, it was very, very important. Softball was always important to us as a family. And co- um, me coaching, he did – get to see me coach my first year at Southern um, in 1991. So it was very, very important. So softball was never out of the picture. Coaching was never out of the picture. Leading, being like my, our lives, <laughs> Connor, my dad and brother both would have surgeries and go back to work. My dad was a coal miner and my brother worked at Maytag and Heron and they both would go back to work. So that comes into the toughness part. There was never a lot of kind of, oh, uh, poor poor me kind of thing. It was right. like you just, this is what you're, these are the cards you've been dealt, now let's go. Right. So that's probably sometimes, this is a fault of mine probably, that sometimes I just want people to be like, hey, let's let's just go. You know, you're, you, we can do it. Realizing that everybody, um, everybody's different and things of that nature. So, um, but I'm getting better about that too and realizing not all people are the same. Right. For sure. Do you still think about those two every day? Uh, no doubt. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. I appreciate that. No problem. No yeah. problem. Let's uh, let's let's move on to to something a little bit lighter. Winning championships. Sure. This this should Absolutely. be fun. Uh, <laughs> two thousand three to two thousand seven. Those were were certainly the the beginning of the glory years of of your program uh, in your time as the head coach. Let's start with mm-hmm. the the twenty uh, two thousand three Sweet Sixteen. Uh, I was sure. reading th- I was reading this story yesterday. You guys are beating uh-huh. Stanford. Uh, I think it was six nothing in the sixth inning, and you turn to your assistant, Buddy Foster, and you just say, "Wow, we're 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 really beating this team that has two Olympians on it." And, yep. and, Buddy, and Buddy says, "Shut up, Kerry. We're in the middle of the game." He did, he did, he did, and I did. I I just um, one thing that he always taught me was, um, you know, to to kind of try to appreciate things as you go along because because sometimes I don't. I'm always looking at the next thing or how we could be better, how we could do this. And that was one thing that Buddy always would try to do is get me to enjoy. So I was sitting there by him calling pitches, and I said, oh, my God, look, Lauren Laffin's out there. She's a, you know, she's a Hall of Famer, and look who we're beating. And uh, he said, are you kidding me? Shut up, you know. But I was trying to – here we were, little southern Illinois, and, you know, that year we'd beaten Alabama and lost to them by one run. They went to the World Series, uh, beat us in the championship game beat Stanford and so I was just amazed and trying to really honestly soak it all in did you stop once he told you to shut up or were you still in awe I did no I I shut up (laughs) (laughs) I focused on the game Uh. (laughs) that's uh that's that's an amazing story how many moments during that run that that's a that's a historic run you know not only in the scope of of Southern Illinois University but but for mid-majors too going to the Sweet Mm -hmm. 16 how many moments did you have during that run where you just stopped and did that and said, wow, this is happening. Uh, 
Not a lot. I mean, what a gr- great group. And it wasn't just, it was 03, 04, 05, 06, 07. So we could go through all of those years, um, and we beat LSU when they were number five in the country. Um, we beat, during that run, um, Auburn, North Carolina, Florida State. I mean, there was a, a game I'll never forget against Florida State in 07 where the leadoff hitter hit a home run against us. And my first thought was, oh, God, I hope we don't get run ruled. And we that was the only hit they got of the game, and we won 5-1, to one, 4 or 5-1. to one. So it's really memories like that are what I cherish about just the competitiveness of the kids and, and what a good good group of kids we had. I mean, the, the success it built, especially those first three years, more wins, more wins, more wins after that Sweet 16 mm-hmm. team. How did each yep. of those teams differentiate themselves? Obviously, they had the competitiveness and the drive and the work ethic that, that was kind of the common denominator, but what was unique about each of those teams individually? The 03 team uh, was toughness, no doubt. And that started with, you know, Addie and Haley V-House and Jenny Doring and Lindsey Bonnell and, you know, uh, Amy Hardy and Katie Jordan and Maria D'Amico, and I could go on and on and on and on. Sammy Carter and Lauren Roney and Katie Lewis, and, you know, I could go on and on and on about all of them. But they were just a tough group. And the other thing that I tell my kids all that time, Sam, um, Sammy Carter and Lauren Roney split time 50-50 at second base and never complained a bit about it. We talked, that's where our unselfishness as I hope a program started in that 03 team, you know, and then 04 and 05, you know, you added Cassidy Scoggins to the mix, to the pitching staff and um, Addie and Haley were still there in 04, some of those kids. And um, then in the 05 team, you added some super freshmen like, you know, Becky Wegman, Tiffany Dismore, Lauren Haas, whatever. So it's just, you kind of keep adding people, adding people, adding people. And, um, you know, it just winning became so contagious, you know, so contagious. Uh, Amanda Clifton and Ashley Hamby. Like I said, I don't want to forget anybody. And uh, But there were just tons of great players throughout the entire scope of those teams that kind of kept us rolling. Sure, sure. I, I feel like you could probably talk about some of those teams for, for a long, long time. We might need a, yeah, a separate yep. episode uh, yep. j- just for that era. But but that was kind of your first taste of, I guess, quote-unquote, glory as, as a head coach. Uh, when, when you look back on some of your times as an assistant or as a player or earlier on in your softball life, what, what do you think the, the critical points were that allowed you to be prepared to seize that moment and lead your team into those championship-type moments? Well, I, I think it's basically, again, the the trust and just the great relationship with the kids. You know, um, Lindsey Bonnell came to South Carolina to um, see us play this year. And, you know, Addie and Haley are right here in southern Illinois. And uh, I got a text message the other day from Katie Lewis, Coach, how are you today with all this going on? You know, so Mallory Duran, same thing. Kelsey Gonzalez, the same thing. So it's it to me, it's the trust and the 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 kids knowing that I care about them, and that's back when I was still probably a little bit of a yeller, and I could get after some kids in in that era. So I mean, but we had such a um, a tight knit group that we all fought for each other. So it was, I think, it was more just um, uh, just the culture was so good then. 
Let's uh, let's put a bow on the conversation. Uh, okay. we're, we're 30 minutes in, and, and we haven't mentioned that you've you've won 700 games. So first of all, congratulations on that. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> uh, but but you know, 700 wins, Missouri Valley Conference titles to your name, seven NCAA appearances. At this point, 21 years in, how do you stay humble, and what are you still chasing? Well, the humbleness is I haven't done anything. I have not put on a pair of cleats. I've not put on a glove. I've not put on a bat. Uh, I uh, and my assistant coaches have recruited good kids who have come here to play the game and were outstanding student athletes here at Southern Illinois. So that's what I've done. And, you know, um, I'm still learning. This, this little blip here that's happened has probably made me realize how much I enjoy the game more than anything in the last I don't know, 10, 15 years. So um, I just enjoy working with kids. I enjoy trying to help them become better people and work in consort with their parents to help them become better people. And it's just a, it's been a great profession. And um, I love Southern Illinois and I love Southern Illinois University.